in this time, we're going we're gonna to hear the word, and so um, I'm going to get you guys to open up your Bibles, please. And uh, you may or may not know, but we have been in a sermon series called The Christmas Tree, and we've been looking at some of the women who are in the, in the family line that leads up to Jesus Christ. And, and today we hear about a really important person. Uh, today's passage is in Luke. Luke chapter 1, and we're going to read from verse 26 to 38. Luke chapter 1, verse 26 to 38. I'll be reading from the ESV version. And just a reminder as I read this, as we read this together, that this is the Word of God. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to, came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and trying to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Verse 31, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be the son of the Most High. The Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Verse 34, and Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Verse 36. And behold, you, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Amen. Uh, before we hear the word preached by Pastor Paul, um, it is Christmas, and so we're thinking about how we can kind of celebrate it together. So um, some of the praise team members have um, prepared a little Christmas carol, Christmas song for you guys to, um, to, just to celebrate this day. So if you guys want to come up, they're really shy. Um, yeah! And um, yeah, we're going to sing a, a Christmas song. We didn't get heaps of time, but we really tried our best to prepare this song. So please, I hope you guys are blessed and you guys enjoy the song. If you know the lyrics, please sing along. I think that's the point of, of this. And so we're going to stand here and we're just going to sing for you guys. And then Pastor Paul preached the word for us. Here we go.
chills down my spine at that, that moment, you know that moment when everything broke. Can we put our hands together one more time for what a, a beautiful uh, song. That's my favorite uh, Christmas carol now, after you sing it. No, I'm just joking. It's actually my favorite Christmas carol. Uh, well, welcome again to Kingsway. Uh, it's good to see you guys, especially with, you know, the state of things going on. Um, thank you for, I guess, taking a courageous step to be here with us to celebrate. But also thank you to everyone who's joining us live stream. Uh, we're sad that you can't be here, uh, but we're super glad that you can join us today. Um, as Peter shared, uh, we've been going through a series called The Christmas Tree. And, you know, this is kind of a play on the idea of what a Christmas tree is. You know, think of the tree, but we're looking at the, the Christ's tree, right? His family tree. And in Matthew chapter 1, you have the lineage that leads to Jesus. And in that uh, lineage, the kind of family that leads to Jesus Christ, you have five women. And so we've looked at three of them already. Uh, we've looked at uh, Tamar, uh, Tamar, Rahab, and Ruth. And today we're looking at Mary, and we have one more to finish off the year uh, next week. Uh, today we're looking at Mary, right, the mother of Jesus herself. Now let me ask you, have you ever waited a long time for something? It's like you're just waiting and you're waiting, and it feels like it's never going to come. Right? Nowadays, as I get older, kind of like what Peter said, you know, Christmas just kind of comes out and it shocks me. I'm like, whoa, it's Christmas already? I felt like we just started the year. But when I was younger, it was totally the opposite. When I was younger, Christmas never crept up on me because I waited all year for Christmas. Actually, that's not true. I waited for July the 2nd, which is my birthday. And then when that was done, I waited the rest of the year for Christmas. Like every day, I'd just be like, when's Christmas? When's Christmas? And you know why? Because, because of the present, right? The gift that I was going to get I play with like for a day and get bored of, but like I'd wait so long for Christmas to come and it felt like you know, it would never arrive. It felt like it was so long 
to eventually come. You know, the actual events of Christmas that we celebrate every year, right, the birth of Jesus, was an event that the people of God had waited for for a very, very long time. Now, maximum, you might wait 364 days for Christmas, but the people of God have been waiting not 364 days, not months, not even years. We're talking thousands and thousands of years. Ever since Adam and Eve, the people of God were waiting for the one to come to save the world. Right? God had promised Eve that a seed of hers would crush the serpent's head. And they'd been waiting. God had promised Abraham that one of his seed would bless the nations. And they'd been waiting. God had promised David that one of his sons would sit on the throne forever, be an eternal king. And they waited. The Old Testament ends and there's a 400 year gap. They waited. All of this waiting leading to this person. And it all begins with this woman named Mary. As an angel visits her and tells her about what's going to happen. And so today we're going to do something different from what we normally do on Christmas. At Christmas we talk about Jesus, of course, it's all about him. We're going to take it from a different perspective. We're going to look at Mary. I kind of see it through her lens. Learn a little bit about her. Right? This event happens a bit before the birth of Jesus. It's when she hears about her conception. Uh, kind of like today is a little bit before Christmas. And so I think it kind of works out. We're going to look at Mary today. So why don't you join me? Number one, let's look at Mary's pedigree. All right. Let's look at who Mary is. Who is Mary? Or who is Mary to you? Growing up, um, to me... Mary was a big deal. Uh, I saw Mary all over the place. I grew up in the Catholic Church. Statues of Mary all over the place. People would pray to Mary, talk about Mary. Uh, Mary was, in a sense, a goddess. She was perhaps equal, if not slightly below Jesus himself. Right? That was the impression I got. You know, looking back, I'm pretty sure I prayed more to Mary than I did to God. Right, that sounds a bit weird. But people would be like, you know, if you need to tell God something, um, why don't you go to the mom? You know, don't, don't go to dad, go to mom. She's more compassionate and understanding. If you messed up, don't go to dad, go to mom. If you want something, don't go to dad, go to mom. And she'll convince dad, right, God, she'll convince dad to you know, do what you want. Right? That, that's the kind of impression I got. And when we're praying through the rosary beads, if you know the rosary bead, there's way more Hail Marys in there than there are our fathers. And so for me, growing up in the Catholic Church, Mary was this big, huge deal. Um, and even in the Catholic Church right now, they believe that she was born without sin, without original sin. They call that the immaculate conception. And she lived without committing sin. In a sense, she is perfect. Like we believe Jesus is perfect. Highly exalted the queen of heaven, there she is, Mary. But is that who she really is? Because when we look at our passage today, when you look at the scriptures, we get a very different picture of who Mary is. Rather than being this exalted, kind of big deal, famous somebody, what we find is that she's actually a nobody from nowhere. Well, let's look at this, verse 26. It says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth 
That's Mary's hometown, Nazareth. Nazareth was a community of like um, really nothing. It was a very poor district, not famous for anything. And there's a moment in John chapter 1 where one of the disciples, Philip, he tells a guy called Nathaniel that they found the one. We found the one the Old Testament has talked about. And he says, he's Jesus of Nazareth. And Nathaniel's response is this. Sorry. Look at this. I'm just going to say next slide from now. He says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Right? He's like, Nazareth? Ugh. There? It's kind of like how I felt growing up in Hornsby. <laughs> now it's great. No, if you live in Hornsby, it's great. When I was growing up in Hornsby, it was like, there was nothing there. It was like barren wasteland. Um, we didn't even have Westfield back then. And be like, where are you from? Hornsby? Is that even in Australia? Right? That's, that's what it's like. Like somewhere in whoop whoop. Nazareth. She's from nowhere. In verse 27, sorry, next slide. She's a virgin betrothed. Right, Mary has kept herself pure throughout her life, and now she's betrothed. Now, to be betrothed was to be, like, engaged, but kind of even more hardcore than that. If you were betrothed, you were basically married. You were husband and wife, legally bound, but you didn't live together, and you didn't sleep together. And that would exist for about a year. If you were to bake, break that betrothal, it would take a divorce. So you're committed, but separate. And so that's the place that Mary's in. And one of the main reasons you would be betrothed to someone was to show everyone else how pure you could be. Right? We could remain kind of pure throughout this one-year period right? and uh, uh, prove our fidelity. And she's betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David. Now, just like Mary, we know very little about Joseph. We know maybe three things. He's a carpenter, Mark chapter 6. He's a righteous man, Matthew chapter 1. And he's from the house of David, we learn here, which means that Joseph could trace his lineage back to King David. And that's it. That's all we know about Joseph, about as little as we know about Mary. Mary's a nobody who's come from nowhere. You can add to that she had other children after Jesus, so she didn't remain a virgin. You could add to that that she became a follower of Jesus later on in her life. She seems like a godly woman, but apart from that, that's all we know. Mary is really a nobody. She's not wealthy, not famous. She doesn't have a high position. She doesn't live in a grand city, in a grand home. She makes a few cameos in the Bible. That's it. Now, she's not a bad person. She's a good person, a godly person, a faithful person to God. But she's not that remarkable. And that's who God has chosen to use to bring forth the Savior of the world. Now, it's difficult for us to imagine as Mary as being nobody because everyone knows who Mary is today. You go ask anyone on the street, who's the mother of, of Jesus? And they'd know, right, even if they don't go to church. But if Mary was not chosen by God in this passage, if she was not chosen by God to bring forth the Savior of the world, no one would know her today. And I think no one around her would have given her a second look. But that's how unremarkable she was as a person. 
But that's the point. This nobody from nowhere is chosen by God to have a privileged place in the family tree that leads to Jesus. Right, that's what we've been finding as we look at the Christmas tree, the tree of Jesus. Whether it's um, Tamar or Rahab or Ruth, none of these people really belong in the story of God. Right, Tamar slept with a father-in-law. Rahab's a prostitute, a Canaanite prostitute, an enemy. Right, Ruth was not originally a part of God's people either. And next week's going to kind of be the worst one, so we'll save that for last. None of these people belong in the story of God. But God's grace, I chose these people, accepted them, redeemed them, and used them. They're included to show you and I that even you and I, with our checkered past, with our failures, with our maybe insignificance, can be loved, welcomed, redeemed, and used for God's purposes. In the eyes of the world, Mary was no one. But in her faithfulness, God saw her. And God chose to use her. I don't know how you feel about yourself, about your life, about your past. But as we go to God, believe in Jesus, and commit to live faithful lives, God sees that. And what God says about us matters more than anything else in the world. So that's Mary. That's her pedigree. She's a nobody from nowhere. And yet this nobody from nowhere, sorry, next slide, has a great privilege. And we find that in verse 30 to 33 as Gabriel explains what's going to happen. He explains the how and the who and the what. So let's look at that, the how. It's an impossible conception. Verse 30, the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. I love that because what he's going to say is going to be mind-boggling and very scary. Don't be afraid, Mary. God's going to be in your belly. Right? For you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Now, this is the first time Mary's heard of it. She's probably, like, I don't know, doing housework or... I don't know, looking at the newspaper, and then the angel appears and goes, you're going to have a child. There's a bombshell. It's a big deal. Her first question is this, verse 34. Next slide. If you skip to verse 34, she says, how will this be since I am a virgin? That's a good question. She's never been with anyone. She's betrothed, and so she can't be with Joseph for at least, you know, the year finishes up. How is this going to happen? Because there are certain things that need to happen, you guys know, for someone to conceive. Gabriel answers, verse 35. The angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Let me tell you, it's not going to be like a normal pregnancy. This is going to be a supernatural pregnancy. God's going to get involved. The Spirit's going to get involved. And the power of God will allow you to conceive. God will do what seems impossible in your life. And this matters. This isn't a regular conception because this won't be a regular person. This will be a supernatural conception because the person born out of Mary will be a supernatural being. There is no one like Jesus. And Gabriel says this, 
therefore. Because this is the way that you are going to conceive, therefore the child to be born will be called holy. Now you and I, we inherit a lot from our parents. Whether it's the color of our eyes, hair, skin, whether you're tall, whether you're short, whether you, sometimes you've got you know, angry characteristics, you know, whether you're patient. You know, we get a lot from our parents. One of the things we all inherit from our parents is sin. We call this original sin. Ever since our first mom and dad, Adam and Eve, who sinned in the garden, every person that's been born has been born in sin. But Jesus was not born the normal way. And because he did not have a regular conception, he was not born with original sin. Jesus was born sinless, and then he lived sinless. Right? That's important. Because of this, he is holy. Second, how? Oh, sorry, who? Who is this impossible child? Right? Because the child to be born it is impossible. Verse 31, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And in verse 35, Gabriel says, the child will be called Holy, the Son of God. In one sense, this is your son, Mary. You're going to have him in your belly for nine months. You're going to feel him kicking. He's going to be born. You're going to raise him. You're going to feed him. He's going to, you know... He's going to poo in his nappy, right? Which is an astonishing thing that God will humble himself like that. In one sense, he's your child. But in another sense, he's the son of God. Right? There's no one like Jesus. Not only is he the perfect man, sinless, but he is also God. The perfect God. All in one person. And why does this matter to us? It matters to us because the fact that God came into this world tells us so much about him, about his love for us, about how he didn't quit on us, about his humility to even put on flesh and enter into finite time in a finite body. It tells us that we can know him, that we can know God and that he truly knows us. I said this at the, the wedding for uh, David and Yuri last week, um, but a few years ago, I, I read an article where um, the person who wrote it was, was quite astonished, and people on Twitter were going wild because uh, Prince, Char uh, Prince William was photographed on an economy flight, and I've got a photo here. There he is. You see his, uh, his wispy his wispy, balding head. That's him there. Someone took a photo on the plane. They put it on Twitter. Everyone was like, whoa, no way. People were like, amazing, so humble. Right? Prince William on an economy flight, just like us, right? just like a regular human being. Right? How awesome, how humble. And that's what needs to happen right? for people like us to meet people like him whose royalty because we can't ascend to where he is. We can't go to where he is. No, 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 we're not good enough. He needs to come down to where we are if we ever want to have a chance of interacting with him. And that's exactly what Jesus did. 
Uh, see, the truth is, you and I, we have no chance of going up to where God is, to be with Jesus, to know him. And so Jesus, in the Christmas story, came down to be with us. If you're amazed that Prince William would catch an economy flight like a regular human being, we should be amazed that God put on the flesh like a regular human being to be with us so that he could know us and so that we could know him. The fact that the person that was born was none other than the King of kings and the Lord of lords should amaze us. It means we can know God. And third, what? What's going to happen? This amazing person, perfect man, perfect God, will have an impossible charge. I really tried to make that alliterate. Right, here's the, it's the impossible conception, impossible child. With an impossible charge, his duty is to, live on, to reign on the throne forever. The Lord God will be with, give to him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. You know, God had promised King David in the Old Testament that one of his sons will be an eternal king, to be on the throne forever. Right? The king that we've always wanted, right? You and I, we look around at the past, we look at history, we look at the present. It's going to be the same in the future. We want a leader who will not fail us, who will do what is right. And we want that king to be on the throne forever. And we think that king is going to be Solomon because he does some great things. But the problem with Solomon is that he's not perfect and that he dies. Right? If you read the next slide, 2 Samuel chapter 7 is what God had promised. I will wait, raise up for you an offspring who shall come from your body. I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name. I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. And that king, perfect king to reign forever is Jesus. Right back to the next slide. You see, Jesus can be that eternal king because unlike Solomon, he never sins. He always does what's right. Remember, born without sin, lives without sin. He can be that eternal king because he has defeated death. That's what he does on the cross. He defeats sin, he defeats death, and he now lives forever. He can be that eternal king for us. He is that eternal king for us. And this matters to us because if he is the king that lives forever and he has defeated sin and death and he does all things right, then wouldn't it be amazing if we could be a part of his kingdom? What if he could be our king? What if he could lead us the right way? What if he could defeat our sin and defeat our death and together with him, we could live forever and be perfected? And that's exactly what Jesus invites us to be a part of. He invites us to believe in him and in believing in who he is, what he's done in his birth, his life, his death, you and I can be a part of his kingdom. And this is the great privilege of Mary. And nobody from nowhere gets to have an impossible conception, bring forth an impossible child, God, who has an impossible charge of being the eternal king. This nobody from nowhere gets to be a part of that. What a privilege to play a part in God's 
purposes for the world. But here's the thing. Mary's greatest privilege was not this, in fact. It's not that she could call Jesus her son. Her greatest privilege was that she could call Jesus her savior. That was her greatest privilege. And that's a privilege that you and I can share. You see, having God as your son, it doesn't save you from the problems of your life. Having God as your savior, Jesus as your savior, that solves the biggest problems of your life. That's a privilege we can all share in. Right? We might not be able to call Jesus our son today, but if you turn to him and believe in him, you can call him your savior. And you can share in that sanctifying, soon-to-be-perfected life that will go on forever. You see, Mary's story is not unlike ours. You and I, we are nobodies from nowhere who don't deserve to be in the family of God. We don't deserve to be in that family tree like all these people. But God in his grace allows us to be a part of that family. As we call Jesus our savior, we get to call God our father. And we get to be a part of what God is doing. And the question is, Will you respond the way Mary did in light of the Christmas message? So next slide. This is my last point. It'll be fairly short. Let's look at Mary's posture. Mary's pedigree was that she was not, uh, no one from no, nowhere. Her privilege was that she could not just give birth to the Savior, but to follow him and believe in him. But look at how she responds as she hears this message. Again, this is a bombshell out of nowhere. She's just having an ordinary day. An angel appears. Hi, don't be scared. You're going to have God in your belly. You're going to give birth to the Savior of the world. How would you respond? I feel like I would have heard nothing that Gabriel said. I'd just be like, wait, what'd you say? Because an angel is before you. This is how Mary responds. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord let it be to me according to your word. Right, let it be. Fun fact, that's where the Beatles got their, the lyrics to their famous song. I don't know if you know, let it be. Right? Mother Mary comes to me, speaking words of wisdom, let it be, let it be, let it be, let it be. Oh, yeah, some people are surprised. Fun fact number two, I did some counting. Let it be basically takes up half of that song. And so they just took Mary's words and made a song with it. Right? But let it be. I'm a servant of God. Do what you want with me. Let it be. Right? What an incredible act of obedience and faith. You see, if you were to put yourself in Mary's shoes, as Gabriel is telling her that she's going to conceive, and she says, I'm a, I'm a virgin, and he says, God's going to make you conceive, I'm sure that what's on her mind is that she knows that when she becomes pregnant, it's going to be a huge scandal. And scandal's going to follow her probably for the rest of her life, right until the end. You see, how can you explain to people that you, a virgin, betrothed, not meant to sleep with Joseph for a year, somehow got pregnant? How would you justify that? Let me explain. You see... I was cleaning the kitchen and an angel appeared. His name's Gabriel. Right, who's going to believe you? Okay, let me try again. 
I, I didn't sleep with anyone. God just, he just somehow, abracadabra. Who's going to believe your story? When she conceives, even after she, she gives birth to Jesus, people would have talked about her, judged her. Even Joseph, if you look at the story, even Joseph, her husband, he doubts her. In Matthew 1, it says he resolved to divorce her quietly. He was like, hmm, you obviously slept with someone else, so I'm going to divorce you quietly. I don't want to shame you because I'm a righteous man, but there's no way we're going to continue to be married. Even that's what he thought until an angel appeared. And Mary, in the face of that cost, the cost of following God and believing in the message of Christmas, said, let it be. Right? Let it be. I believe and I'll let you do what you want with my life. You know, you and I, we have a similar kind of question before us because we get to hear the Christmas message as well. Right? Just like Mary heard, you heard it today. It's a story where an angel visits a woman named Mary and tells her that there is going to be an impossible conception and in her womb is going to be God perfect man, perfect God, he will enter the world and he will be the perfect king for us. And you read through the rest of the Bible, you read that this perfect king lives a perfect life and then dies on the cross in your place to take away your sins, to pay the price for your failures. And just like Mary, we have a decision to make. Will we believe? regardless of the cost that it might take, right? The cost of believing for us might look like scandal to some of your friends. Oh, wow, you, you believe? You believe in that ridiculous story about someone somehow abracadabra getting pregnant? Maybe the cost is, you know, people will gossip about you like Mary. Or maybe the cost is something else. But like Mary, today, We have a decision to make. Will we believe and will we follow Jesus regardless of the cost? Let me close with this next slide. The late Larry King, uh, you probably know him, he's a famous show host and interviewer. He was once asked at the end of his career, if you could interview anyone from history, who would you interview? And this is what he said. He's not a believer, or as far as I know, wasn't. He said, I would interview Jesus Christ and ask him just one question. I would ask him if he was indeed virgin born because the answer to that would define history for me. You see, he knew. He knew that if Jesus truly was born of a virgin by the power of God, then that's a message that you can't just ignore. That has to change history, and that has to change your story. It has to change your life. And so the question for us is, do you believe that Jesus was indeed virgin born? Do you really believe in the story that we just read in Luke chapter 1? That message is history defining, and it should change your life as well. So let's respond and spend a bit of time in prayer. You know, we're so used to the Christmas story that 
You know, sometimes I think we, we just say we believe. But maybe it's been a while since you've really looked at the story. And what it means. And how impossible it was. And how significant it was. And ask yourself whether you truly believe. This is how the story of Jesus began. And I think maybe for you today, this might be how the story of your relationship with Jesus begins. Do you believe that about 2,000 years ago, an angel appeared to this woman named Mary in the middle of nowhere, a nobody, that what he told her was true? that she would, by the power of God and the Spirit, conceive and give birth to God. God would enter the world without sin, and then He would die on the cross without sin, so that He could make a way for you and I to know Him. Do you believe this story is true? It's a miraculous story. It's an impossible story. It's a story that we as Christians, we believe, and it should change everything. Why don't we wrestle with that today and find solace in that God would love you so much to enter the world, that He did not give up on you, that just like Mary, even if you have a checkered past or you are an insignificant person, you feel that God has not forgotten you and He loves you and has a purpose for you that you and I can be a part of the family of God, the story of God and the purposes of God. Why don't we wrestle with the Christmas story today and then we'll respond with a song. Let's pray.